It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Abco Safety. Stay tuned for a break to hear a little bit more about what Abco Safety can offer you. Go find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify. And your Lockdown Bengals lead story today is that the Bengals have won in Washington 23 to 13. Against the Washington Ball Club, we saw a lot of Dwayne Haskins from them. But for the Bengals, after a really sloppy start to the game, I thought the second unit, and the rookies in particular, played oh, yeah. a lot better this week. Yeah, I think the the lead story for me is the rookies and some young players, even from second-year guys, uh, stood out. And not only stood out, but really showed their performances uh, after week one where they were rough and uh, to be expected your first time in an NFL atmosphere. I thought they all looked significantly, significantly better in everything you would expect from them from Drew Sample making a couple nice grabs to making a couple good blocks to Jermaine Pratt look appearing faster. And I don't mean athletically processing, which leads to him looking athletically faster. Yeah. He almost has an interception, um, he has a couple nice run run stops. He's he gets a hit on Dwayne Haskins on a blitz on a really nice throw by Haskins for a touchdown. But he Pratt was active, and it, that was just the first two guys. It extends down to Ryan Finley and on. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about that first team. It really didn't go well. The game had six penalties in a row or something at the beginning of the game, with CJ Uzama picking up three of those penalties. Uh, Bobby Hart had a false start and John Miller. John Miller had a holding penalty, I think. Yeah. Either way, it was rough. Every time they, it looked like they were, uh, in position to do anything or, or build some momentum, they killed it with a penalty, which is kind of how the last few years has, have functioned for the Bengals offense. That was the weird part about it. And they were even bailed out a few times by personal foul penalties, uh, from Washington side. So it extended the drive. It got them down inside the red zone, which first time we got to see Tyler Eifert all year, first red zone play, he gets in there and he runs a corner route. It's a little bit overthrown and he doesn't get a chance to get to it. Uh, but the drive stalls when a pass is deflected at the line and intercepted and returned 96 yards for the score. Yeah. And that was on a little angle route to Travion Williams, who was in at that point. Mixon and Geo got a couple snaps earlier in the game, but they were done by this point. They just had maybe the first four snaps of the game. They were out there before Travion Williams took over on that Eifert play. It was interesting because they had Travion Williams split out wide, right? 
I and saw Eifert that. in the slot right. And those were the only two guys on that side of the field. So they had trips wide receivers to the left. And they had a running back and a tight end split out to the right. And Eifert was open. A better throw gives him a chance. It was just a little bit overthrown. But it was it was cool to see him out there, at least, for, for a single play. And let's talk about the interception a little bit. Because you said that he stared down the route too long. Oh, yeah. I thought Deron Payne had a really good reaction and really fast reaction to get his hand up and knock the ball up in the air. And then once it's tipped, well, that's a crapshoot. But right. understandable yeah. that you want to avoid getting the ball batted at the line of scrimmage, and there are ways to do that. Yeah, and, uh, it, you know, Deron Payne is, was having a great game throughout. Uh, I, he flashed a bunch of times. He, he made it hard on the offensive line. But uh, on this play in particular, it looked like a split safety coverage. So you're either throwing down the middle of the field or you're checking it down. And I thought Dalton read it quickly as he does, but he got too quick to the running back. And now he's staring at him before the running back even gets into his angle route before he even gets really at the line of scrimmage. He's got another three or four yards before he cuts inside. So he's staring, he's waiting for the cut and then he's throwing it by then you see that the interior D line guys kind of stop their rush slide a little bit and pain jumps up. That's why you don't want to sometimes go through your reads too quickly because you end up getting to your last guy that you want to throw it to. And he's not even out of his, out of his break yet. So I just thought he, he stared at him a little bit too long to allow the defender to get in his passing lane. I would say that I would like to see the offensive line. I think it was probably Trey Hopkins engaged with Payne there. Stay engaged, and as soon as Payne oh, is yeah. looking to get his hands up, get your hands in the chest and start moving those legs. Yep, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, the defense, though, I thought played pretty well tonight. Dwayne Haskins had that big touchdown pass, and they did get gashed by an Adrian Peterson run early where Sean Williams, I think, missed a tackle in the hole, and William Jackson lost contain, which let Adrian Peterson bounce it outside. And he's still got some speed to him. But outside of that, I thought, especially once it got to the second team, the defensive line played really well and was what we were hoping to see. You mentioned Kerry Wynn on Twitter. You think he's ahead of uh, Jordan Willis right now to make the team. But Willis had a strip sack that led to a turnover and really got the Bengals into the driver's seat in the game. But Kerry Wynn also had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. He had a couple other hits. I thought all those guys were active, though. Compared to last week, I thought the first team offensive or defensive line was maybe a little bit worse, but it was nice to see the second team defensive line keep it up. Andrew Brown had another active game, and I thought the linebackers of the second unit also looked a lot better, led by Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, Jermaine Pratt was all over when we talked about him, but uh, the thing that stood out for me that I noted on Twitter also was that uh, their first nickel and third and long situation on defense was four defensive ends, and I'm only calling Andrew Brown a DN because that's where they're listing him. Uh, typically, I would say he's a D-tackle. But it was Andrew Brown, Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, and Kerry Wynn with Brown and Wynn being on the inside, and they got instant pressure. It's, you know, that's the NASCAR package, as they used to call it. But, you know, seeing that right away and get, seeing Andrew Brown with that first team almost, I know Atkins isn't out there, but uh, that's an increased opportunity for him, and, and he got a chance to show that he can – uh, play with the number ones and play against number ones. And he ended up getting a or drawing a, a holding penalty by the center. Uh, and I believe that was a third down play also. It was, yeah. It, forced, it ended up forcing a punt there. We'll get into both sides of the ball a little bit more depth in the second and third segment when we'll go offense and then defense. But let's talk about special teams for a little bit because there was a significant special teams impact on the game. I was wondering why Tristan Viscaino was even out there kicking because if you watch him in practices in the in training camp, He's known for, you know, he's having a good day if he's hitting the net kind of thing. But he drilled a 57-yard field goal. He missed a shorter one earlier in the game. And Randy Bullock missed an extra point. 
But Alex Erickson was out there the whole game returning punts. And again, I questioned this on Twitter. I said, well, we know Erickson is a good kick returner and he hasn't been a great punt returner. Why don't they at least give Darius Phillips a chance? And he's back there returning kickoffs the whole game. Right. I thought Phillips was pretty good as a kickoff returner. And then Erickson goes out there and shuts me up with a punt return for a touchdown. But I do think he made a mistake earlier in the game when he didn't catch that uh, punt on the fly toward the end of the first half. Yeah, it was, it was kind of funny how they swapped him. We know Erickson has been a good kick return guy, but Phillips had two really good returns to start the game. And Vizcaino, man, that's the longest field goal made in FedEx Field since 2011. Uh, even on the other side, the Redskins kicker missed a field goal and an extra point. So this kicking off that grass field, there was a lot of misses in, in Vizcaino. I think he could have hit it from 60, 61 maybe. Uh, it was right down the pipe. So that's at least interesting. Maybe, you know, develop him for another year. They've been known to do that with kickers. I think he has some major accuracy issues that he'll have to contend with if you want him to be a, an actual contender for the kicking job. But Bullock mixed, missed an extra point. So that's right. not what you want to see from the guy that's going to walk into the job. Yeah, you don't feel great about Bullock as it is anyway. So, uh, yeah, special teams was fun. Actually, I think it was, oh, now now that number nine and number eight's messing with me. But the... Uh, on the punt return for Alex Erickson, it was either Stanley it was Morgan. Morgan. Or, yeah. It wasn't Morgan. Okay, he had a nice block, ended up taking out two guys, and uh, you know Erickson followed him. So that bonus points for him. We'll get into the offensive line mix-ups a little bit more and how they're moving things around there, but a lot of moving parts, more so than I think we saw under Marvin Lewis, especially in the Andy Dalton era in Cincinnati, maybe in the spirit of true, true competition. That's what I'm hoping for. We're going to take a quick break, but first I want to tell you again about our sponsor, Abco Safety, a safety distributor located in Cincinnati, a local sponsor. They are partnering with 3M to sponsor the podcast, and if you or your company purchase safety equipment, give them a call because they promise to save you money on your safety budget. You can check out what they've got at abcosafety.com, but keep in mind those are retail prices and they will have corporate pricing for you if you give them a call. Give them a shot at quoting your safety equipment to see how much they can save you. Joe, what cool stuff do you see on Abco Safety today? Well, I clicked on the um, the safety equipment that will help you in the hot summer days because it's. Uh, I see you sweating, Jake, as I'm sweating. watching you on this video right here. But they've got they've got everything from you know obviously uh, like towels that'll soak up your sweat and, and and things like that. But they actually have freezy pops and liquid concentrate, right? Yeah, so, so it's like Gatorade. It's called Squincher. I, I'm going to order some of this. Well, let's drink it on the show. Let's drink it on the show. Give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals. Make sure you let them know that you heard about them here and support the podcast, support a local business. We appreciate it, and we appreciate the sponsorship. We'll be right back. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. 
So check it out, the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, and I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And we're back with Locked on Bengals podcast. Let's start with the offense for this segment. Jake, what do you think? They uh, they came out, and I, I thought they struggled. And it, it was kind of different than last week because last week they obviously kept it off with a touchdown. But uh, there was a... A lot of just mental errors, I would say, on the offensive line, obviously. But I didn't think Andy Dalton was as sharp either. I don't think the receivers were as sharp. Uh, just overall, they they seemed discombobulated. And you know, you know what really took it to another level or hammered it home for me is when Ryan Finley came in and the second team guys came in. And they looked incredibly smooth. It, like just little things that should be ironed out in practice weren't an issue anymore, and they were moving the ball. And this is not a comparison because I had fun on Twitter, you know, talking with people, and people like to lose their minds when the backup plays well. This is not a direct comparison between Finlay and Andy Dalton, especially in a preseason game going against ones and twos. Uh, but the offense was extremely smooth under the rookie quarterback. Yeah, I thought so too. And I think maybe a big difference there is the quality of the defensive line from Washington. I think their number one defensive line really gave the Bengals problems. But it's also really hard to know what you're going to get with the amount of penalties they had. They were behind the chains. It seemed like the entire time they were on the field. And obviously when they got down in the red zone, Andy Dalton threw a rare red zone pick on that tip pass. But it's just, it's really hard for me to evaluate the ones in a game like that. You can go back, right. and when we re-watch it, we'll be able to get some one-on-one insights. But for the team on the whole, with a vanilla play calling you're, you're going to get out of a team in the preseason, it still doesn't look like the Rams' offense to me. I mean, there's bits and pieces that if you really think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, they're in very similar formations the whole game. If you're watching route concepts, maybe they're doing some of that stuff. But it still doesn't look like we expect it to, right? And right. so I don't know if that's a product of the game situation they're in, I know that Zach Taylor's not showing everything deliberately. Like, he made that very clear when I talked to him last week. But the first team just needs to get going. And and they're calling penalties a little bit strangely in this preseason game in particular. I thought they're, the holding penalties, I didn't really see anything that looked like a hold. I thought maybe when they called Miller, I thought they had the wrong number. When I watched Uzama's, I didn't see it either. It looked like a straight-up good block 
yeah. the Mixon run where he, where he bounced it outside. And I will say that Mixon run looked great. Oh, yeah. He was actually very quick to bounce it out. Not in a bad way. In a, in a oh, he looks sharp. He looks crisp. Then he stiff arms Josh Norman to the ground and, and takes a uh, takes a guy on at the on the boundary on, didn't the, even on the sideline. Think about Josh Norman. I know. He didn't I know. even. He it was, just like, shut it was him. like a fly in the wind. And the thing about the penalties, though, too, is that they tell the refs to emphasize the things they're yeah. working on. Holdings are always called almost double the rate in preseason. I think right now they're also throwing flags on pass interference situations, not to get a challenge out of it, but to you know emphasize that you can't do this basically, and that's. I think it's a, it's their way of um, trying to hammer this home before yeah. the actual games start and people start ridiculing them a little bit. And we'll see it the first couple of weeks of the season too, most likely. But the offensive pass interferences in this game were just so weird, and they mostly went against the Redskins, so maybe we should be talking about this with the defense. Right. I mean, Damian Willis is hand-fighting with the guy. They're both grabbing at each other, pushing each other, and they call OPI on Willis on a amazing touchdown catch that gets called back it still counts i tell you it's preseason in my it head counts it for me counts. too yeah yeah he made he had a fantastic game today damian willis damian willis might be the player of the game even though ryan finley 21 to 27 154 yards and two touchdowns now between two games he's almost perfect i bet his quarterback rating is probably nearly close to that uh his, but his yards per attempt are so low that it brings it down he averaged uh, 5.8 yards per attempt tonight so he's completing a lot of passes but he's dumping it off a lot Sure, but as for, he started that first drive 8 for 8, 79 oh, yeah. yards. I Looked mean, that's great. a 10-yard average right there. So, right, it, it ended up being a little bit worse afterwards. But Andy Dalton was 5 for 9, 36 yards, no touchdowns, interceptions. Jeff Drift and one interception, I'm sorry, Jeff Driscoll was 5 of 8 for 57 yards, and Driscoll had a couple of nice runs. Driscoll, by the way, did not, at least I didn't notice him playing wide receiver or any other position. I wasn't watching the special teams personnel that closely, but I did not see Driscoll play a position that wasn't quarterback. But I agree with you. I think Damian Willis is the offensive player of the game for me, followed closely by Ryan Finley, because if you count that touchdown pass, which I think we both do, he's at six catches for about 100 yards and a touchdown, including a spectacular catch and a couple third down conversions, I, I think. Yep. Yeah, he did. And he looked big. He looked strong. You know, him and Stanley Morgan really look like they belong. Uh you go back to Josh Malone, who got got another deep ball this week. I, I don't think that was underthrown. I thought that was a fine deep ball by him. But Malone uh, has had two drops now. One, remember week one, how he had that slant. He dropped it over the middle. Then he dropped one over here on the sideline on, on like a comeback route. Meanwhile, it looks like, you know, I'm not saying Malone's in danger of being cut. But to me, when I look at core, when I, even when I look at Alex Erickson and I look at these the back end guys, I think Willis and Stanley Morgan look like they belong. And then you throw in Auden Tate, who's just had a really strong start to preseason here with that long catch last week, and then four catches, 16 yards, but one was a basically like a three-yard slant, so it brings his average down a little bit. But that touchdown, and the catch just before the touchdown, two of them behind his body, back behind him, uh, strong hands catch. Uh, that's exactly what he does in contested situations. And when a guy... You know, it, it's it's not a negative to say that's what he does. That's, you know, how he should succeed so we can't get excited about it. It's more of when a guy does do exactly what you expect, that is like, okay, great. At least we know we have this in him. And he has just a unique skill set on the team that the only other player you can point to that might have it is Tyler Eifert and his ability to adapt and catch balls away from his body. Behind him, he caught a couple passes, like you said, contorting his body. He doesn't have the athleticism, but he knows how to attack a ball in the air, and he has incredibly strong hands. 
Uh, and I will say one of the reasons for his yardage total being low is because they threw it to him on one of those little play action jet sweep boots in That's the right, flat, and he get he he I think took a loss of one on the play. Yeah, third and one, right? Yeah, Washington was ready for that both times. The Bengals ran it. I think they ran it with Finley and with Dalton once each. I thought Tate had a great game. I actually said on Twitter today during the game that based on the preseason games and not including training camp. I have Malone and Core behind, I think significantly behind Willis, maybe Morgan, and also Tate. Yeah, I could see it. And that's where I was kind of leading. Even though I still want to, like, I still want Malone to make the team because I, I still feel there's a lot of upside there. He's definitely yep. fast. He's totally. getting behind defenders on these deep balls now, back to back weeks. Uh, well, he, I wouldn't say he got behind this guy this week, but he, he definitely threatened it. Uh, I would say that's something that would be missing, especially with John Ross not on the on the field right now or not playing, because you would look at that receiving core and you'd say, not really a fast unit without Josh Malone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got a spot, he's got he's got a place. I was kinda like leaning towards Erickson, like, what does Erickson really give you? And then he runs off that punt return. He's and, a great kick returner. He's a great special teamer. It's just hard to cut him. It is. And, and he's, he's the backup a solid slot, slot guy. guy. Yeah, yep, he is. We're I know. On the same page there. But it's when Will, when Willis and Morgan look so good, it's like maybe you try and trade John Ross. I I know you know I want Ross to be there, but these guys are having are this receiving core looks good and and they're all young. I I just can't put much stock into these guys based on a preseason performance. This is like this Think is about previous peak. years though. Yeah, but but we're talking about Damian Willis, Stanley Morgan, and Auden Tate being the guys you're counting on to trade John Ross. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about 50 targets if you find a way to get those guys on the field. Uh, uh, when you're talking about upside, though, I want to see if Ross can do it. I mean, I know. I think this is this is a peak preseason hot take. I see your logic. I totally get it. But at the same time, I'm looking for ways that they can keep one of Willis or Morgan, keep Tate on the roster, Probably keep seven receivers and then keep two quarterbacks. Find where you're keeping less guys. And right now with Christian Westerman not making the trip and threatening retirement, which is something we haven't talked about yet. That's right. The offensive line might be shallower than we thought. The other guy to mention, I mean, well, or not the other guy, but to mention that Ryan Finley, if you only want to keep two quarterbacks, Finley's been really efficient. Yeah, Yeah. and he's got to be the number two. I think he definitely won the job today. And not just won the job. Probably made you feel comfortable with cutting Driscoll and yeah. saying, you know, we'll take whatever falls to us. Is Driscoll going to get picked up out there? I don't know. Probably not. You you could pick him up if you really needed to afterwards. Uh, and overall, I think uh, one one other guy we should mention. I didn't mention him on the opening, but Drew Sample. Yeah. Uh, nice grab. Uh, his second catch of the game was a really nice grab. But he caught his first touchdown. And for a guy who didn't have a lot of receiving production, now it was a schemed open play, but he did it and he handled it. And, uh, you know, much much better improvement than last week where he dropped, I guess you could argue, two passes. Yeah, you mentioned that last week you thought he looked unnatural and a little bit yeah. awkward out there. I thought he looked like he belonged today a yep. lot more than he did last week. He only had two targets, so it's not like he's out there as a Tyler Eifert-level weapon. But he's a second-round he- tight end in his rookie season. He was still out there late in the third quarter compared to last week where they kind of used him as the number two guy. And maybe it's because Eifert was active this week. But uh, Sample looked like the clear number three this week and, yeah. and was out there still with, with the deep backups. We should give a shout-out to Mason Shrek for his yes. catch in the flat when he ran over a couple of guys and refused to go out of bounds. That was a nice little play. Cody Cord, a couple catches for 30 yards. And Jordan Ellis, who got a 
majority of the work at running back flashed a couple times, but I think he doesn't really look like somebody you're really considering keeping on the 53 right now. I think he's a great practice wide running back. Me too. Caught another five passes, you know, after last week catching yeah. a bunch of balls. He caught five last week, I want to say. But, you know, so two weeks in a row now with good receiving production for a big back that's got a little bit of speed to him, a little, at least a little burst. And uh, I just don't think he's creative. I don't think he's making no. anybody miss out there. Uh, and that's probably his biggest downfall. Yeah. Travion Williams also had that really nice juke on a catch. Oh, yeah. Uh, it didn't quite get him the first down. I think it was a third down play, but it was a really nice move. Again, last note, I think, before we take a break, 43 passes, 24 runs. That's a lot. Again, they're 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 throwing the ball for a team that we expect. I mean, they surrounded a, Andy Dalton with a bunch of uh, passing game and, and former quarterbacks and all that. So yeah. maybe they're just a little pass happy right now. I think it's also a, a, a product of Mixon not playing. And I think if Joe's out there, you can feel a lot better feeding Joe Mixon for – consecutive drive sometimes when he gets hot let's take a quick break we'll come back and talk about the defense in a little bit more depth stick around support for this podcast comes from cdw and dell technologies at cdwg we get that migrating your agency to a hyper converged infrastructure is challenging like me switching to decaf gotta do it don't want to do it but gotta do it whoa slow down friend cdwg's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper converged infrastructure with dell emc solutions that offer speed and agility do it do it have you done it is it done yet why isn't it done yet it orchestration by cdwg people who get it find out more at cdwg.com slash dell emc Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. It's Locked On Bengals podcast with Jake and Joe. Segment three is going to focus on the defense in the Bengals 23-13, to 13, week two of the preseason victory over Washington. Jake, to me, uh, the first standout guy and the guy that I was, I guess I was waiting for him to get on the field and, and wanted to evaluate him after watching him week one in depth was Jermaine Pratt. And I thought Pratt looked much more comfortable, much smoother, uh, got got through his keys and his reads quicker. And just overall, you could see the athleticism get unlocked. The other guy seemed to have my eyes locked on every time he was out there. He didn't play week one was Kerry Wynn because uh, I think we've, and as we mentioned this in, the, in segment one, but just the fact that we haven't seen him yet in a Bengals uniform, kind of wondering what his role would be, even though I, I think we pretty much accurately guessed it and pretty much projected where he is on the depth chart. It's probably still a battle, but I thought he moved well. I thought he he won with a, uh, a nice swim move on a, a tackle and stunt for a sack. And overall, I thought he flashed more than I expected for a guy that I consider to be just a guy. Yeah, 
And he's really in direct competition, I think, at this point with Jordan Willis because I think Andrew Brown's on the team. I yep. hope, anyway. Andrew Brown's on the team last year's fifth-round pick who got hurt out of Virginia. But both of those guys I agree with. Kerry Wynn was active. Jermaine Pratt looked a lot better. He looked a lot less hesitant. He was he didn't miss a tackle that I noticed. That's so that good. was really nice to see. He also played, I thought was interesting, he played multiple different positions in the nickel with the backups. There was a couple plays he was playing in the middle. There were a couple plays he was playing in the flat, uh, mm-hmm. playing outside. So I think it's nice to see that they're preparing him for both of those jobs. Outside of that, I didn't notice the starters very much. I guess Carlos Dunlap had a tackle for a loss. Sam Hubbard, who I noticed last week a lot, didn't stand out to me at all this week. Um, looking at the guys really deep on, deep on the depth chart, Tyree Cannell, I think, had another solid game. He did. Uh, in limited snaps in the fourth quarter. And I think he's looking like a good practice squad safety right now. He had a tackle for a loss right it was a jet sweep play yeah and uh he sniffed it out and, and got up. back there and stayed home yeah uh Dunlaps was on a I believe it was second in in 10 or second and eight play run to the right stretch to the right with and they handed it to Peterson and he, he just shed his guy and got back oh, there right yep so um you know they were a little bit it's still hard I, I I look at it and I start thinking about the defensive calls and we like the pass interference and stuff because I I noticed for the first time, Devontae Harris making a couple of tackles and running around. He looks sharp, and then he gets the he the benefit, I guess, of an offensive pass interference call. Where I thought, if anything, it was defensive. I didn't think it was. Yeah. I didn't think it was a foul on the play, to be honest. Uh, and while I thought it was bang it, bang. Yeah. Yeah, the receiver touched the ball, then he got contacted by Harris, so it shouldn't have even been thrown. But the the ref that throws it can't see that because he's she's from the other side. I believe it was a, it was a, the woman ref, but. Uh, yeah, and the other guy to get a, get sacks here, Emmanuel Turner, the backup, backup, backup defensive end, and Deshaun Davis, the late pick, cleaned up a sack at the end of the game. And I thought there was good pressure, too. We mentioned that Dwayne mm-hmm. Haskins hit that deep, really great throw, that 55-yard touchdown, Beautiful. where I don't know what the coverage was, but the guy who was running the post, Robert Davis, it looked like... The safety, and I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Demetrius Cox, was flat-footed and, like, running from, from zero to try to catch up with him. So I don't know if somebody didn't – I don't know if it was a blown coverage or what. But right. it was a really good throw. But there was good pressure on that play, and that was Jermaine Pratt who had the hit. And uh, I'm forgetting the, their last pick. Jordan Brown, is that his name? Jordan he, Brown. He looked up- yeah, he looked like he had an interception. I thought that was an interception. Then the guy ripped it out of his hands. You know, halfway through that play, I'm like, okay, here you go. They, yeah. He showed some ball skills on the tape we, we watched. And then he gets it ripped out, and then it gets called back anyways for offense. And that's the one that they challenged, and they won the challenge for OPI. And then on the replay, I can see why they won it, because you can actually see the receiver pulls Brown's jersey. Yep. And and then that gets him back in the play and lets him make a play on the ball because Brown hasn't measured. That's a bad throw. That's a pick. That's a pick. Yep, he's got it. Uh, did you see anything out of Malik Jefferson? I saw them blitzing him a little bit more, but I didn't notice him much besides that. Apparently, he was in on three tackles according to ESPN. Uh, did you see anything from Darius Phillips today? I did not. Uh, Darius Phillips, there was a one target over the middle on a deep crossing route. It seemed like it was overthrown, and maybe because Phillips had good coverage on him. But he no, it wasn't like yeah. yeah, it wasn't like the last week where he breaks up a couple and he's directly involved on a nice pass breakup in the end zone. Uh, but then the other guy with, that I think I don't even remember seeing him last week if he didn't play or just didn't do anything. But Renell Wren did get to play this week, and he was out there. It was, it's funny because him and Josh Tupou were out there 
together. And yeah. I would think that they're both nose tackles or competing for the same job. And Ronell Wren was the guy that was kind of playing off as the, as the under tackle. So um, interesting that they maybe view him as more of a versatile nose tackle than maybe we thought. I think they really see Andrew Brown right now as the end three-tech hybrid. I think he's like Geno's backup in nickel plays from what we saw tonight, at least. And we'll see if that stays true next week, if Geno even plays next week. Uh, the other couple of notes I have here, we haven't talked about Ryan Glasgow yet. I thought he looked good again. Had a couple of nice penetration plays against the run. And Sean Williams, I think, had another play where, just like last week, you know, that, that missing the tackle on Adrian Peterson in the hole, not really getting a hand on him when he bounced it outside early in the game, was some sort of mistake. Uh, I will say that I saw another pretty cool overload blitz, I thought, where they dropped the right side sure. into coverage and Sean Williams came free off the left end, got to Case Keenum early, and that, I think, forced a punt when he, Keenum, uh, forced a deep ball up to Josh Doxson, and Doxson never saw it. Yeah, and on that long run that started the game for Peterson on the, on for the defensive side for the Bengals, I also thought Hubbard, maybe Hubbard rushed up field a little too hard, lost vision, and Glasgow as he goes outside, he kind of ends up swimming back inside, and that gap opened wide open. So I don't know what the breakdown was, but it, the D line definitely didn't help the second level there on that play in particular. Right, I did think though, just to reiterate, I thought Ryan Glasgow generally looked pretty good out there. And Billings, while he didn't show up on the stat sheet, as far as I know, let me double check. Yeah, I don't see his name here. He had a couple plays where he got really good push and really good uh, run defense kind of staying in his gap, blowing up the blocker at the point of attack as well. Right. Yeah, I, I noticed most of those guys also, again, not noticing the starting linebackers. That's two weeks in a row. Even like last week when we didn't notice At one all. position or yeah. a player, right, we would notice them the following week, this week. I'm probably going to, on this, over this weekend, when we go and uh, watch these games again, watch the film again before Sunday's episode, I will probably focus on them to see what are they doing? Are they doing anything different? And, I mean, because they talked about Preston Brown losing weight. I'd like to see it, but he has not flashed even once. The first team defense wasn't really out there for that long, but, yeah, I, I right. did not notice much from, I, from the I linebackers. Bet it was less than- 10 plays because they had the th- a three and out on the second drive and then they're out yeah. of the game. Vernon Davis did have a couple catches in the middle of the field, or at least one in the middle of the field. That was the second play of the game. So they went big run, attack the middle of the field, attack the linebackers with Vernon Davis. And I think that was against Jordan, Jordan Evans. The, the throw to Vernon Davis. I want, I thought it was Sean Williams. Maybe it was either way. doesn't matter. I was distracted. Oh, so we're going to close the show on this. I was distracted looking up uh, tipped pass rates in the NFL Mm -hmm. and looking at Andy Dalton and how he compared. Mm -hmm. In 2018, the average amount of passes tipped, there were 295 tipped passes, batted passes at the line of scrimmage out of 17,671 passes, which is 1.66%. Last year, Dalton was at 1.6%. The year before that, he was at 1.4%. Both of those are dramatic improvements from the two prior years when he was above 2%. So he changed something in his game in the last two years to improve the frequency with which his passes were batted at the line of scrimmage. 
do you just have the last four years or so, or do you have? Because I, I remember early in his career that was a point of conversation for a lot of fans, and it still is now. I think because of that time earlier in his yeah. career, no, I didn't go back that far. I just went back the last four years. The last two years, though, he's been at or better than league average, average. in that category. So let's just lay off that criticism. I think. Well, I don't. I think it's. You know, old narratives are hard to die sometimes. That's why I, I asked if it was because uh, I remember it being an issue early. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't – tip passes happen. It's just to go back on that play. It, you can mitigate them by doing different things. Because, like, you see a couple of those instant replays of Ryan Finley. Did you see him, like, arc it like he's bending the bullet around linebackers and defensive ends that are jumping in his face? And I think he just overall managed the pocket really well. There's a couple of really good throws and step-ups and sidesteps and – yeah, it was just, uh, you know, that's the difference. So when people talk about some of Dalton's weaknesses, it's not that we don't ever see Dalton step up or navigate a pocket. It's just that Finley's doing it now as a rookie, where some of those things are maybe where Dalton struggled with as Something, a rookie. So, yeah, agree. Something I think we'll take a little bit more of a look at on Sunday's episode. We're going to take a couple of days off here, look at the tape, come back on Sunday now that we're on a regular schedule here a little bit with all the games on Thursday, and we'll get you an in-depth review on Sunday. And then we'll get ready for another game next week. Football is here. We're in a routine. I don't even know who they play next week. They play the Giants at home. Ooh, Daniel Jones. So we get to see all these rookie quarterbacks. And Saquon Barkley, maybe. Maybe. If they don't hide him. That'll do it for today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Remember to go check out our sponsor, Abco Safety. Give them a call. Mention the podcast if you need anything at all for safety in your workplace, even if it's popsicles, 513-672-1818. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.